This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Today's guest is Brianna Vales, Director Founder of Red Light Rebellion. Welcome to the Father Matters Show, Brianna. Thanks for having me. We were talking earlier before we started the show. You said this is the first time you've done radio. Yes. You're going to do good. <laughs> You're going to do great. Uh, we're going to be talking about something serious this week, and I appreciate you coming on the show, and I just want you to unpack this. Mm-hmm. And just someone really needs to hear this. And you're going to be talking about red light rebellion. Brianna, what is red light rebellion? Red light rebellion is a youth program that educates and empowers students to fight uh, the injustice of child sex slavery here in the United States. And so we have programs to teach students what sex trafficking looks like in the U.S., how to look out for signs of predators and uh, victims, how to keep themselves safe, keep their friends safe. Uh, and then we also give them programs to get involved too. So whether that's starting a club on their campus or doing their own event to create awareness, we help guide them through that. We also do trainings for uh, professionals or parents that work directly with students so they can help understand what to do, how to respond if a student discloses or if they start seeing signs of a potential sex trafficked victim. So when you say sex traffic victim, mm-hmm. what is a sex traffic victim? What do you mean? Someone that is being forced, coerced, or under fraud to engage in commercial sex acts. Uh, federally, the law says that if it's an adult, they have to prove force, fraud, or coercion in um in, in the court system to prove that they are a victim of trafficking. Um, any minor, though, engaging in any form of commercial sex, so that can be prostitution, pornography, stripping, uh, any minor engaging in that is automatically viewed as a victim of sex trafficking. And I'm going to tell you, you have a, a, a passion for this. Why did you, I mean, there are a lot of, are there, I'm not sure, there are a lot of sex trafficking organizations and ministries and programs out there. Why did you start Red Light Rebellion? You're the founder. Yeah. So I first heard about sex trafficking uh, at a a summer camp uh, going into my junior year of high school. And it was a documentary about a girl trafficked in Cambodia. And it didn't really affect me, actually. Everyone else was, like, really emotional about it. I was like, well, that's sad. I'm passionate about unclean water, you know. Right, and then right. um, that night during worship, I uh, actually was, was praying and I was like, hey, God, what do you want me to do for the rest of my life? Because I was 16 years old and I really needed to know. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so he said, lead a movement. And I was like whoa, sick, against what? Like, it wasn't for what, it was against what. And he said prostitution. And in that moment, I was like, well, I don't want to go to Cambodia, so (laughs) let's kind of forget about this. Uh, And so I I really tried to for about six months. And then uh, six months later, January of my junior year, an organization started up uh, to to create not only awareness, but provide a safe house for, for minors being rescued out of sex trafficking. And that's when I was like, wow, like my mom was like, you don't have to go to Cambodia. It's going on right here. And so as I started getting involved in um, doing fundraisers and, and different things for the organization, I realized that there was a gap in the awareness movement. And, and that gap was with the students. The average age of entry into child sex trafficking in the United States is 13 years old. 
So that's the average, which means you've got 10-year-olds, you've right. got 17-year-olds uh, entering into this. And, and the big, huge word then was eradicate. We want to eradicate child sex slavery. And, and I was like, well, we're not eradicating anything if we're not preventing it from happening in the first place. And so me and my friends got together like, well, why can't we tell each other about it? Peer-to-peer conversations a lot, has a lot more impact um, than an authority figure coming in. And so we developed a program, giant display called The Walkthrough, that we could take into schools and uh, present to students uh, as students about the dangers and hopefully they would receive it better. And so that's where we started and and we've grown since and, and partnering with other organizations are definitely a ton out there, especially in Phoenix. And when, when did you start? What year did you start? Uh, the first program started in spring of 2010. Wow, you've been going strong ever mm-hmm. since. Now you say the average age is 13. Mm-hmm. How, what, 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 are these young boys or these men saying to a 13-year-old girl to lure her into a situation like that? What is going on? Yeah, so there are a couple of different ways. Uh, traffickers are master manipulators. Uh, they say that PIMP stands for power in manipulating people, and they definitely do that with excellence. Uh, so average age is is junior high, high school. And so most girls are vying for attention. Um, mm-hmm. They want a boyfriend. That's kind of the goal when you're when you're that age is to, is to get that. And so traffickers know that. A lot of traffickers are posing as boyfriends. Uh, so they're starting romantic relationships with these girls. They are, uh, however they're getting uh, connected with them, whether that's a party or um, just randomly at the mall or at school or whatever it is online, a lot of it happens um, through social media. Especially these days. Yes, yes. Uh, They're creating these romantic relationships with these girls. So these girls don't even realize who they are dating. Uh, They think the sky is just spoiling them. They're... um they're in love, they're going to have a future together, and he, he just paints this picture of uh, the life that they could have uh, with one another. And so that's really oftentimes how it starts. Uh, they pose as professionals as well, so they'll pose as modeling agents or rappers mm-hmm. and promise like the fame and the fortune. Yeah, they, they're doing a video, they got yeah. a record company. Yeah, they also use their their own victims. So if they have a victim that, that is uh, the age to go to school, oftentimes they allow that victim to go to school for the sole purpose of recruiting their friends that's, at school. That, if you don't mind, I want you to unpack that. Yeah. And when you say use their victim, there, there are other 14, 15, 13-year-old other girls, mm-hmm. and they will enroll in school because they didn't drop out somewhere else, I'm sure. Possibly. Possibly. It, it all depends on the situation. And and like they they have the purse, they have the shoes. Mm-hmm. What what happens with it? How are they using the other victims? Because I, I definitely want to touch on before we leave, where are the fathers and how does the fathers play this role? But mm-hmm. how are the other victims being used for this? Yeah, so they are required to recruit as well, the, the victims. And so they'll do it oftentimes to protect themselves or to protect their family if their family is being threatened or if there's blackmail involved. Uh, and so they will go to school, whether they've been transferred to another school or they're going continuing to go to the same school that they've always gone to. They'll go and whether it's promising like the modeling thing. So, yeah, I've got the Gucci purse. Yeah, I've got the shoes, whatever it is. Uh, they'll, they'll lure in friends like that to get them interested and, and want to come with them. Or there was one girl in California. I heard her story um, just on TV a few years ago. It was like a documentary. And um, there's a new girl at her school. She befriended her because when you go, you know, into high school or things like that, it's it's oftentimes hard uh, to make new friends. And so she befriended her. And the girl one day was like, hey, I want to paint my room this weekend. Like, my dad will be home all weekend. So your parents don't have to worry about, like, parties or boys or anything like that. Would you want to do that? You know, we can stay up late and 
you know, hang out and stuff. And so she's like, yeah, sure. Um, so her parents met the dad. They were totally fine with it. Let her let her go. Um, not realizing that dad was not the biological father. The dad was actually a pimp. And so when, when the, 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 the victim showed up to the house, um, she was gang raped. She was drugged and then and then turned out um, through the Internet. And so it was. Uh, so that's how that situation worked. It, it works all, you know, differently for, for each situation. But was that the pimp's house? And that, sometimes that, I'm that, not sure. That's not a lot of times they just rent something for a weekend or something yes. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, another girl, she was she had been lifelong friends um, with a, a neighborhood friend and had, they decided they were going to go to a party, sneak out, you know, what? 13 year olds will sometimes do and just normal behavior sometimes for 13 year olds and so they went to the party um and the girl did not realize that everyone at that party was there for her and that her friend was actually being trafficked and she didn't realize that the signs of the friend handling drugs at such a young age and being promiscuous at such a young age getting paid for sex were signs of a, of a trafficked situation and so she was put in a situation where she was she was jumped and she was able to get out of it um but it's it's just one of those things where she that was a lifelong friend that she had and she didn't know the signs and how to react to those signs. So she got into a situation that was very, very dangerous and she was very blessed to be able to get out of that situation. When I, she like, did. I like what you just said, the signs. She didn't mm -hmm. see any signs. What, what signs are there? There are many uh, <clears throat> and they, they all work together. Uh, so there's uh, definitely the older boyfriend figure or older friend that's taking you know a, a lot of interest on um, the isolation from friends and family you'll see a lot of the beginning stages of more of like a domestic violence um relationship in in a trafficking relationship so they'll isolate them from the people that are closest to them so that that predator is now uh the person they're getting all their value from they're getting all their worth from they they go to them first um signs of abuse as well um trafficking is a very violent um industry and so these girls will oftentimes have um, scars or bruises or injuries that they can't explain um, definitely expensive items uh, whether that's in the beginning grooming parts or whether they're being trafficked they oftentimes have the higher priced items that they can't afford or their parents won't give them uh, those are signs uh, tattoos oftentimes the the traffickers and this is solely a, a mental thing the the traffickers will tattoo their name or their symbol um, on their product uh, to, to prove that she is their product and the and the young girls will allow them to do that they they think it's cute or it depends. It depends on how the how the how the trafficker is going about it. And so sometimes it is like, oh, yeah, like you love me, like get my name on you. Or um, it could be something more um, forceful to be where, where he literally is. You are my property like you have, you know, no other will, but my will you do what I say, say. And so then they then, then they go out and, and get the tattoo. And some of these young girls, they have their parents at home mm -hmm. with all this going on. It's, why don't they share this? when they realize that they're in, why don't they share this with their parents? But I know there's some who do. How, why don't they? How does that play out? Yeah, how does that play out? Yeah, uh, so some some victims are allowed to stay living with their parents. Uh, so not, Allowed? Yeah, so, because the, <laughs> the pimp has control over them. So whatever the pimp wants, the pimp gets. And, and the fact that he's allowing her to, to stay at home, it's almost, it can be seen as, as a privilege or a lenience. Um, for her and so um they'll be allowed to to stay at home and so oftentimes these girls are displaying signs that 
that we misidentify. So these girls will run away or um, they'll start lying, they'll start sneaking out, they'll, um, if drugs are involved with the pimp, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have those things on them. And so they just assume that, oh, my kid's partying. Oh, my kid's going through a phase or, oh, we just got divorced. And so, you know, they're just working through that. And so oftentimes it's they parents see it, but they're misidentifying it. And so that's oftentimes what happens if the parents are good parents looking out for those things. Um, other times the, the effects of trauma and abuse on a child, they, they, they'll act out or they will um, – get very introverted and closed in on themselves and depending on the family that they come from if it if it is a family of that has a history of abuse or trauma oftentimes the family can't recognize it because it's always been there for themselves you know the parents acted that way so that's how their teenagers are going to act and so they don't recognize those things um some kids do disclose most do not Uh, most are so brainwashed and that psychological warfare is so powerful that they don't think that they can Um, once you start engaging in uh, selling your body there's so much guilt and shame associated with that you really can't you don't think that you can admit it you don't think anyone will um accept you at all and so and here's the pimp over here talking especially if it started out romantic like he, he asked her to do this one thing this one time so they could stay together get him out of the situation whatever it is he put his financial stability on her and, and it's her responsibility to help him now um so now she feels all this guilt and and he says well your parents will never understand you again your parents will never love you again but i know what you did i love you i still accept you and so then that's all where that psychological warfare and manipulation comes into play it's it's it's, it's tough it's heavy it's hard and and we're, we're going to get right back after this because I want to get into more of what happens when you've dealt with some of these young girls. You're listening to the Father Matters Show with Vance Sims. And today's guest is Brianna Valve, director, founder of Red Light Rebellion. We'll hear more from Brianna after this. Hi, this is Vance Sims host of the Father Matters Show. Would you consider partnering with us? Father Matters is a nonprofit ministry that's listener-supported and relies on donations and grants. All funds raised go directly to Father Matters mentoring programs for families, which means that your donation will help important projects that service children and families. For more information about partnering with us, log on to fathermatters.org and click the Donate to Father Matters icon. Together, Let's build stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And we're back with Brianna Vales. I had that wrong. Director, founder of Red Light Rebellion. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the top of the show at fathermatters.org. Also catch the Father Matters show nationally every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time by logging on to blogtalkradio.com or catch our archive shows anytime worldwide at soundcloud.com. Brianna, I mean, it's just this is why I do what I do with Father Matters and working with the men and it's just it's just hard. I have four daughters at home and I'm trying to imagine somebody trying to manipulate any of my daughters without me knowing it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know what they're going to do. 
I know them better than they know themselves. And so I'm just trying to just imagine that and I can't wrap my head around it. And it's just this is why, again, I appreciate you being here and, and, and sharing because this is so important, you know, especially for dads. You know, a lot of us are in the rat race. We're trying to, you know, be the biggest thing at work or we having issues and we're going blind. A lot of us mm-hmm. are just uh, just ignoring what's going on. You know, we're allowing our daughters and sons on these uh, electronic devices, the Facebook, the tablets, the television. The, I mean, it's just we're allowing all these other things to be babysitters. You know, and I want to touch on a little bit. Oh, one I want to touch on is your documentary screenings. Yes. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So we utilize uh, three documentaries uh, catered towards different audiences. Um, So one documentary is branded, and that was filmed specifically for Phoenix to look at what trafficking looks like in Phoenix. One is Nefarious, and that's a global perspective. So they go to about five different countries and look at how trafficking varies between each country, including the United States. And then Chosen is the last one that we use. And we use Chosen um, primarily with the students, if we're doing a student um, presentation or screening. And that that was created by Shared Hope International. And they, they put this together in order for for it to be um, non-sexual and for as young as fifth graders to be able to watch it and understand it and for it to be appropriate. It's about 20 minutes long, two girls telling their testimony of their experiences in in the sex trade. Uh, Both were approached by by a pimp as if he were a boyfriend. One was, uh, he dated her, I think, up to a year uh, before introducing any exploitive um, situations. And so we use those. We show the documentary, do like a little introduction, you know, like tell everyone why they're there, give them like a brief picture of of what they're going to see. And then they view the documentary. Afterwards, we give them kind of a recap of what they saw and fill in any gaps that the documentary um, either doesn't have or we highlight some of those things that we think are most important for that specific audience to understand about the documentary. Now, I know you do uh, classroom presentations. Um, have you, when you come across a young girl, a, a, a victim, how, how do you handle that? What are the procedures? What are the steps? Yeah, definitely. We usually, usually we're engaging students in either a uh, high school setting or um, a youth group setting. And so they definitely have their own procedures that they go through in in reporting abuse or, or different exploitive um, situations. And we, we always make sure that the school has those procedures for a trafficking situation. Um, the counselors definitely have those. So if a student does disclose, we're able to take them straight to the counselor. The counselor can go through their mandatory reporting that the school requires of them, as well as go through um, the procedures for a trafficked victim. A trafficked victim, depending on if it's passed um, or current determines um, the, the procedure. And so if it's passed, um, the law enforcement can definitely investigate that. And so we go through um, the national hotline number um, through Polaris Project. It's um, 888-3737-888. And so that gets them connected with all the resources um, in, in Arizona and Phoenix um, for them to connect. Hey, do, is, is an aftercare program the next step or do we need to get like a forensic interview um, with them? Like what's the next step with that? They're able to direct all of that. What is that um, phone number again? 888-3737-888. Okay. Um, and then if it if it's a current situation, police are, you know, 911 is dialed and, and, and we get that situation taken care of right away. I love you do trainings for adults because mm-hmm. what I was saying, like kind of when we got back, so, uh, uh, adults are so busy. It's traffic. It's work. It's 
what kind of training for adults do you provide? Is it churches? Is it, is it organizations? What kind of trainings and where? We do all of it. Um, so parents all the way up to professionals that, that work with, with students. And so parents, we're now collaborating um, with a, a forensic um, investigator, actually, who specializes in technology and pulling um, any deleted um, information off of computers, phones, things like that. And they, they're putting together a program where they'll be able to teach parents, hey, these are um, the applications you can get. This, These are all the resources that you can have for free in order to help help make sure that your kids aren't talking to bad people online or through social media and things like that and to keep them protected in that way. We just got done at Arizona's uh, Arizona Courts Association Spring Conference up in Prescott, uh, training court employees from all over the state. Um, so as they come across juvenile cases, then they're able to say, hey, like we understand this. We, you know, we, we understand where the victim's coming from. We understand what, where the pimp's coming from and they can better uh, handle that case. And so everywhere in between school right. administrators, social workers, um, you, you name it as far as professionals interacting with students, we do it. Now, we have listeners all over the country. If someone's listening who heads up an organization, uh, will you are you willing to go do trainings in other states? Yes. And, and, and expand Red Light? Yes. Rebellion? Definitely. So, so, so um, are you nonprofit? Yes, we are. You're nonprofit. nonprofit. So what can people do to help this cause of Red Light Rebellion? How many different ways can, can, can people get involved? Because... You're doing this. You have a staff. Yes. You know, what can community people do besides just sit back and listen to the show and say, yeah, those poor little girls and those bad pimps. What can people do to further this cause what you're doing? Because there's not enough of it. Correct. Uh, Networking is huge. And so if there's anyone listening that um, knows principals or schools or teachers or um, churches or anywhere where there's students congregating that are coming consistently and they can help network with us to be like, hey, I know so-and-so over here. I'll put you in contact with them. Oftentimes it's hard to get into the schools because we just don't know anyone in the schools and having that personal contact is very, very helpful. Same with churches or any faith-based community or organization, um, as well as uh, donations. So if if you're like, man, I don't have time to volunteer. I, you know, I don't, I don't have those kind of resources, but I have financial resources. Uh, you can definitely give to that, redlightrebellion.org. Uh, that's our website, and mm-hmm. you can give through the website. Uh, and then we also have just ways to volunteer. So if you're wanting to do um, a tabling event or if you want even to, to get updates on a newsletter, uh, you can do that as well. And those things, even though they s- sound small, they're really it's impactful. Major. And liking us on, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, those are those are key to retweeting, you know, That's reposting, right. things like that. A lot of people dog on like the campaigns that, that go through social media, mm-hmm. but they act for, for social justice reasons, but they actually work, um, especially this, that the predators are online. The predators are on social media. And so if we can go there and create awareness uh, and spread the word and tell what the signs are and get people involved, uh, then we we can really have a, a huge impact on on these kids. What is the say something assembly? A symbol assembly. Assembly, yeah. yeah. It's it's a phenomenal program that we we, we partnered with recently. Um, they've been around for about four years. Um, 
presenting to over 200,000 students across the United States in just that time. And so um, it's a giant assembly. We bring in national level speakers, uh, 3D screens. The kids get cool 3D glasses. And um, we, we tell them what sex trafficking looks like. We talk, talk about the signs. We talk about of a trafficker and a victim. Um, a survivor tells her story. And then we give them a call to action at the end where they can get involved, text a number, take a pledge um, to rebel against injustice and low expectations societies put on them. And I'm, I'm sure Super Bowls and sports events is a big time when yes. this attracts this type of business nonsense, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. What happens around those times? Yeah. So anytime you have an influx of um, a population in an area, you have an influx of crime. Um, so that goes for drugs to counterfeit items to, to sex trafficking. And so uh, Phoenix definitely has a lot of those year round. Our yeah. weather and our tourism is huge um, factor in those things. Brianna, one more time. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yes, redlightrebellion.org is our website. Um, redlightrebellion at freeinternational.org is our email. And then liking, friending, posting us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the Father Matters Show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. Thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>